And Joanne is going to share, uh, for those of you who are Mandarin speaking, native Mandarin speaking, they're going to share an invitation with you as well. Um, okay, so <clears throat> James and I will um, make a special invitation to um, our chi- fellow Chinese. I'm going to speak in Mandarin now. Um, uh, 大家好. 我跟我先生，我们来呃CCC八年了。我记得八年前我们教会很小，只有三四十个人，所以大家很容易能够互相认识。可是现在教会长得很大，就失去了很多机会跟你认识。所以特别今天我们两个也会在下面，你不需要s
and then focus their efforts together on encouraging and supporting and mentoring uh, younger people. Uh, We're engaged in a nine-week study on the subject, uh, Church, Why Bother?, And we've been focusing our attention on a number of biblical passages uh, that describe uh, God's purposes, the biblical teaching of God's purpose for the ecclesia, the New Testament calls it, the assemblies uh, of his people around the world. And one of those passages that we've discussed together is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9 in which the Apostle Paul uh, Peter says, God is building you as living stones into his spiritual temple. You are God's very own possession, so you can show others the goodness of God. Uh, we've talked about this and some of the other passages for over 1,400 years. God revealed himself to the nation of Israel uh, principally through, first, the tent of meeting that's described in the early chapters of the Old Testament, and then at the temple of Jerusalem, uh, one of the two uh, consecutive temples that was constructed in the city of Jerusalem. And at the coming of Jesus Christ, the New Testament tells us, God has introduced... uh, the earth to a whole new era in his program for planet earth. Um, Now he's taken his program global and through the indwelling of his spirit and his people as they gather together in local uh, ecclesias or assemblies around the world, they have the potential to experience his reality in a way that they can't in isolation from each other and also then unite and focus themselves on fulfilling his purposes uh, through them uh, in the community around them and revealing to others the goodness of God, including, of course, revealing this to our children and our teens which, of course, are our first and and principal target for uh, uh, Christian ministry. Uh, Last week, we focused on how we, as one specific congregation, can join together to make the maximum contribution to our children this year. And this week, we're going to focus on our teens, uh, who compose about 20% of our congregation. But instead of addressing the parents, uh, we've asked four people... Uh, to speak to our teens. Uh, we've had, we have about 110 to 140 teens, uh, last year that would routinely attend our meetings here at Capital Community. It's about 20% of our congregation. So we've asked the teens to sit up here, uh, in the front and center, and then we're asking, uh, uh four, uh, of, uh, our parents and adults to uh, come and speak into their lives uh, for about three minutes each. So if you guys would come uh, forward. Um, uh, I'll introduce them briefly. Uh, This is Ralph in the brown shirt, Ralph Howe. Uh, Ralph is a golf instructor who was a professional golfer for years in Asia. Uh, he has some really interesting experiences uh, of his life in the golf world. He and his 
associate uh, Dan Anselmo are some outstanding golf coaches, probably two of the best in China. They haven't been able to do much for me, but but, uh, that says a whole lot more about me than than their instruction. Uh, Gina Butts and her uh, husband Eric uh, have helped provide leadership for about 13 years to a large a Christian organization that's scattered uh, around uh, Asia and the world. Uh, James uh, Shin, a dear friend and a golfing buddy, uh, is uh, uh, he's an executive in Qualcomm, and uh, he has a very interesting background. He's now a U.S. citizen, but he grew up uh, in Zhejiang province, and his parents were very senior leaders and extremely senior leaders in government uh, during just this prior generation. So he has lots of interesting insights and growing up down there. And uh, and then Abby Keel, she and her uh, husband Jason, they speak to about, uh, their organization speaks to about 30,000 Chinese college students each year uh, in university-sponsored events for uh, college students speaking on the subject of relationships. So we're going to have Ralph start, and he's just going to talk to our teens. Sounds great. Yeah, what I wish someone had told me when I was 13 years old would be around the whole idea of not caring so much about what people think about you and in the right way and in a biblical perspective. I remember being 13 years old and just caring so much about what everybody thought about me, trying to please my everybody from, from my parents to my teachers to my friends and even to strangers. Like I would walk by a stranger in my school hallway, some, a student I didn't know, and if they looked at me funny, I would spend the rest of the day wondering if I had put on a funny-looking shirt or if I had said something wrong. And I, I consumed so much energy being so kind of self-absorbed and so worried about what others thought about me. And so the way I would say it is this. uh, This is what I've learned, and I wish someone had told me when I was 13. Learn to live your life uh, for an audience of one. Um, And and in a proper perspective, it doesn't mean that you don't care about other people and what they think, but it means that God is the person that we live our life for. He's the one that we live our life in front of. And I had a vivid experience when I was in high school. I was playing on the football team, American football team, I was in a championship game. My teammates and I, we played so hard. We were in a, a game with grandstands, and uh, there were you know, hundreds of people in the grandstands watching. My coaches were on the sideline, and I was the punter, which means my job was to kick the ball in front of me as far as I could. And it was a crucial, crucial part of the end of the game, and there was a lot of wind blowing against me, and it was my time to punt. And I tried my best to hit it, but it went off the side of my foot, and it went sideways, and the wind blew it so that it just pretty much went behind me. The other team got the ball, scored, and won the game. And I'll never forget looking over to the sideline for some type of encouragement. My coach threw his clipboard down, threw his hands up in anger. None of my teammates came over to me. The people in the grandstands, our parents and stuff, they were all disgusted. And nobody talked to me on the bus on the way home. I didn't want to go to school on Monday. And what, what I'm, I'm sharing that little story because what I've learned and I wish somebody told me was, Be very careful who you put in your grandstand, who it is you're trying to please with your life. The Bible would tell us in the right perspective, we put God in our grandstand. And here's the great thing, um, and I keep emphasizing, I wish someone told me this. We don't have to perform to please God. 
Jesus has done it all for us. And when God looks at you at 13 or 12 or 16 years old or 47 or, you know, 96, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. That was his golf score. I apologize. I apologize. Apologize. Um, I, I've got a mic, too. But that's right. <laughs> he sees you so beautifully, so complete. There's not a thing you have to do to earn his acceptance. And so what it means in terms of your social life, you know, we all care about how we look, uh, what we say. We want to be accepted. This, that's not wrong. But we live our life with a focus on having God in our grandstand, that he's the one person in our audience that we're living for. And then our life reflects something to others that draws them to him. And there's a freedom. There's a freedom to that. And so that's in a short little snip. That's what I've that's what I wish. Um, for a lot of my Christian life, I thought that the goal of being a Christian was um, to, to sin and struggle less and less and less. Um, and I wish that someone had told me something that I heard Ravi Zacharias say years later, which was that Christianity isn't about making bad people good. It's about making dead people alive. And I think that what um, makes us alive is God's love alive in us. And so I wish that people had told me that it's about being loved by him and it's about sharing that love with others. Now, growing up, I would have told you that I, um, I thought God loved me. Um, that's what everybody told me. Um, because I was a pretty good kid. I didn't, I didn't really do a lot of bad stuff. And so I think I saw about this much of my sin. And I figured, you know, God could love somebody who has this much sin. It's not that much. Um, but throughout the years, and as I've drawn closer to God, um, the more he's shown me that my sin and my capacity to sin is so much greater than I ever imagined. And uh, <clears throat> for a long time, I was really afraid to own that and to, and to acknowledge that my sin was really that great because um, I was still thinking that God's love for me was only this big. And so when I looked at my sin, I would condemn myself. It was my condemnation, not God's. Um, but I've come to realize that, that God is showing me that my, his, his love and his grace for me is always greater than whatever depth of sin that I see. And he sees far more in me than I see in myself. Um, and the more that I see that, the more his love grows bigger, the more I'm just overwhelmed by it and it transforms me. And so I wish I had, someone had told me to just sink into that love and let that be the thing that defines me, like, like Ralph was saying. Because as I've done that, as I've let that fact that God loves me become the core of who I am, I feel like there's a solidness that comes that can't be shaken by what people think or by new sin that I see in my life. And I feel like it becomes this place from which um, I can be vulnerable and I can show others that I sin and I mess up, but the Lord has redeemed me and he loves me in my sin. And then I'm able to love them in their sin and show them that he can redeem them too. And so what I would say to you this morning is, is draw close to the Lord and ask him to show you how much you need his love and forgiveness. Because it's probably a lot more than you think at this point. And keep, keep asking him to show you that. And then ask him to show you how to give that to others. Because I think as you dwell on that love and you let it be the thing that defines you, then that you are loved by him and you've done nothing to earn it or deserve it, 
that that can become the place that we're, from which you live out your faith. Well, um, I grew up uh, in an uh, environment which is uh, very different from uh, our teenagers uh, here. Um, I wish I had someone uh, told me there is a God. God is loving. Uh, actually, the situation was even worse than that. I was told there is no God. If you believe there is a God, you are a coward. Um, I grew up uh, in the environment. Um, looks like all the teenagers are very quiet, very obedient, but actually we're just the same. Um, like uh, you today, inside we are struggling. Try to identify ourselves, try to think what is a, a reason I'm here and what is the future. Um, I actually raised as a next generation next generation for the Communist Party. Uh, literally, when I graduated from the university, they gave uh, a very few selected students uh, such a so-called uh, the privilege. Um, so not only nobody told, uh, told me there is a God when I was 13, even when I was 23, nobody told me that. Then I had a chance uh, to go to the United States. Then I feel the really struggling coming because I by myself, all my possession is a $40. Um, but the problem I had is I have uh, so much barrier to believe God. I remember on campus, my friends invite me to the church, but I felt that because uh, all my teenage years, um, all I heard is very negative about the, the faith. I have some big problem to believe in something. So I have to handle all the struggles by myself. So look at uh, uh, our two children, uh, Stephanie and uh, Christopher. You are our teenagers. I'm so glad. I'm so thankful to the God. You know God so early. Both of you are actually on 12. Uh, actually, I very appreciated the church and the youth program and uh, have so many you know, friends, faithful, spiritual friends, uh, and also uh, mentors around you. And uh, the program you just experienced in South Africa, actually my son uh, celebrated his uh, 12 years birthday and uh, I also mentioned it to my daughter that is also her very good birthday gift from the God. So, speaking myself, um, I baptized together with my daughter when uh, she was 12 and I was uh, how many, 40 something. So, the positive side is uh, right now I feel I'm still very young, uh, like a teenager, and uh, I try to catch up with things uh, I missed in my teenage years. Like lots of you out there, I grew up outside my home culture, um, but I grew up before there was any discussion of third culture kids. Um, we just were the weird kids, and um, we were the kids that inside our home culture, nobody understood us, 
nobody wanted to spend time with us because let's, we were weird. You know, we spoke funny languages. We were, you know, we were wearing strange clothes. And, you know, we weren't very cool, let's face it. Um, and not that very many kids are cool at 13. I'm sure all of you are, but I, I was not cool at 13. Um, and so I really wish, and I, I need to put a little disclaimer in here because my parents will be back in church in two weeks, and they might have told me this, and I forgot. But um, I wish that I had been told that being different is okay. Um, and that not, that, not that it's just okay to be different, but that it's, it's part of who God created you to be, and it's part of the life that he chose for me. I wish that someone had really drilled into my brain to embrace my differentness, that I wasn't just a weird kid on the sidelines, but that God had specifically chosen this life for me, um, and that even though there, you know, it was a life that was full of lots of transition and loss and grief and misunderstanding um, and loneliness, that God had a plan for all of those emotions that went with that. And, um, and that he was going to use them in my adult life in ways that I wouldn't begin to understand until I, I became an adult. Um, nobody at age 13 wants to be different. You know, we all are trying to do our best to fit in. Um, but you guys are in a unique situation where you're with other kids that are also different, that all bring unique things to the table. And it took me a long time to learn that my differentness um, wasn't meant to isolate me. It was meant to, um, that I had something really legitimate and cool to bring to relationships, to bring into new situations. And it took me a long time to understand that and to really embrace that being different was was part of God's plan for my life, and I needed to not just be okay with it, but I needed to learn to humbly accept it and to use it um, to learn what God wanted me to be and how he wanted me to use those things. Um, Yeah, so it's not just okay to be different. It's actually a really great thing if you let God use it in the right way, if you can humbly use your experiences to encourage others and to open their worldview and let God love you through that process. This is just a small example or representation of of a lot of the fine people uh, in capital community, a lot of of you. Uh, And uh, uh, if we unite together and focus our efforts and mobilize to do everything that we can to support and encourage our teens, uh, there's going to be nothing but upside to that.